Clippers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, this is your Monday, February 22nd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Going to hear from Steve Coates in just a couple minutes. Had a chance to catch up with Coatsy after the 7-3 loss to the Boston Bruins. Let me just set the scene here real quick. Um, usually when I do the podcast, I'll kind of prepare a couple of bullet points. I, I don't over-prepare in the sense that I write down what I'm going to say. I do things off the cuff. Tonight, I'm just going to kind of talk and go train of thought speaking. I'm not angry tonight like I was a couple of weeks ago when the Flyers lost to the Bruins with three self-inflicted wounds of bad penalties in a third period to blow a game and put the Bruins' strength in position to win a hockey game. The, the deal is with this game tonight, the game against— the deal is in this, the deal with this loss to the Bruins, the 7-3 loss at Lake Tahoe— the, if you don't want to consider certain elements of the chemistry that went into that loss, then that's your choice. That's a decision you can make. And I understand as fans and hockey fans and Flyers fans, and it's been since 1975, since they've won the Cup, I understand it's emotional, it's frustrating, but my job is not to be emotional. I get emotional. Uh, in a lot of things in my life, including with the team, and I've done episodes so far this season through the first quarter that I have particularly called a venting episode. Like when the Flyers lost that game 5-4 to four to the Bruins in overtime on that power play goal, and they had a two-goal lead in that third period, and then Nicholas Albay-Kubel closed his hand on the puck, and Kevin Hayes took a penalty in the offensive zone, and Scott Lawton didn't move his feet late in the third period and put the Bruins on the power play in overtime, that game pissed me off. This game, if you consider everything, it shouldn't piss you off. Now, it's not good to lose. It's never good to lose. But I got home from the game. I'm here recording this now. I record these episodes in my home studio, and I don't have the main light on. I have a nice soft light on. I made myself a nice warm cup of lifting cup of noodles because I don't drink tea and I'm relaxed about this and this is an episode that I think some people need to hear because when you professional hockey teams the margin between teams is so fine there's so much parity that even when you lose seven to three it's really difficult it's really difficult to beat a team when you're as undermanned as the Flyers were, and when you're in the situation that they have been in. So if you want to look at this as excuses, then go ahead. I think if you're not considering these elements of it, at least by the time you're hearing this the day after, I think that would be foolish. But that's just my opinion. The Flyers have played one hockey game since February 7th. One. That was Thursday against the New York Rangers, and they had one full team practice before that after being off the ice for 11 days, okay, in the middle of a season because of COVID protocols. Every, a lot of teams are dealing with that, but th that doesn't matter. That The Flyers are dealing with it too. It's part of the equation this year. Um, so they had the one game on Thursday against the Rangers, and then practice Friday, and they flew to Lake Tahoe. Then they weren't able to practice on the ice in Lake Tahoe 
Bruins weren't able to practice on it either on the game on the ice that they eventually played the game on. And then the game got moved times, blah, 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 a couple of times. But again, that's both teams are affected by that. And then they play the game without six of their most important high pedigree NHL players. They're basically playing with a half a team, a third of a team of AHL players, including two guys playing on the wing that are defensemen. Now, you can say that Sam Moran's a winger now because they said he's a winger, but he's still a defenseman. He hasn't really played uh, NHL games at any clip as a winger. And Mark Freeman's playing as a winger. That's how far down you are, that you're using two essentially defensemen to play wing for you because you're that depleted with your forward grouping. And then you go into a game against a Bruins team who has been playing, has not been interrupted, and has been practicing and is dialed in, and they they beat the pants off you. And look, it's a Bruins team that's really good, and the Flyers are 0-3-2 against the Bruins this year. And Carter Hart did not have a great night. But you can look at those things and you're just making excuses. That was embarrassing, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it was embarrassing. Losing a game 7-3 with professional players is always embarrassing. But if you don't want to consider that element, this is a rhythm sport. When you don't practice and you don't play games for two weeks, it's difficult to just pick up where you left off, especially against a team like the Bruins. It's really difficult. Now let's go to the goaltender because I, I want to smash my computer over my head sometimes because I, I, I know it's just social media and I know that the reaction zone, the overreaction zone, I should call it. Uh, but a lot of people are questioning Carter Hart right now. Is he the guy? Uh, he's not the savior. People freaking out. Look, as a goaltender in the National Hockey League, it's like a pitcher in baseball. The first trip through for a lot of pitchers, they do well. And then the league starts to get a book. Hey, he leaves his fastball high in the zone in this count. Let's let's dial in on it and jump on it. Like a goaltender. Hey, he, he's leaving a little short side high glove. Then players, the best players in the world, they start to exploit your weakness that they've derived based on your play and based on video analysis from their goaltending coach, their players, and everybody else. And then it's up to the goalie to adjust to it. And then the players adjust. And then it's a back, it's a cat and mouse game. And Carter Hart right now, and you heard him talk about it, and we've talked about it here on the podcast, that one of the things that he worked on in this offseason, he termed it as um, taking more ice. Now, what does that mean? Taking more ice means changing your depth in your net. The further you come out, now, if, if you're on an angled shot and you're further out and it goes back door, you have further to travel to get there. If you're deeper in your net, it's less real estate you have to cover. But he's experimented in this offseason with taking a little more ice, taking a little more depth, coming out of his net more. Now, in previous games against the Bruins, especially that 6-1 loss they had, he got touched up for three backdoor goals in that game. Two of them were Patrice Bergeron. I think the other one was by Nick Ritchie. And when that happens, it's difficult to get to the back door if you're taking a lot of ice. So you go, okay, I have to compensate against that because that's been an area that they're exploiting. I'm taking a lot of ice. I can't get there. I can't travel that far when I'm taking that much ice. So I come back into my net a little bit. I have to travel less. But now you come back into your net, and they exploit you a different way. And the way that the Bruins are opting to do it now is on his glove hand side, high, and on the short side. 
David Pasternak scored two of his goals that way. Nick Ritchie scored a goal that way. And uh, Trent Frederick scored a goal that way in the game uh, in Tahoe. Now it's up to Carter Hart to shade a little to his short side, a little higher with his glove and positioning, which it is sagging a little bit, and to take a little bit more ice again against, against, ice against the Bruins because he is a little too far back in his net and he's showing a lot of twine and the Bruins are exploiting it. But this is how it goes for a goaltender. I, I Maybe an episode this week, I'll pull numbers of goaltenders, really good NHL goaltenders, who go through rough starts in a season. I don't even think he's had a rough start. I think he's had a couple of subpar games by his standard, but people are freaking out, and he's not the answer. He's not good enough, and they need to rest him for a couple of weeks. The team has played two games since February 7th, and you want to rest him? No. No. He has to play his way. The goaltending is a rhythm position. It's really difficult for a goaltender in a position in hockey where the terms, you never dictate the terms. They are dictated to you, and you have to react to them. That's what a, goal, that's what a goaltender is. He's reacting to his surroundings. He can try and influence by giving a, a, little, a little more space on your blocker side or whatever. You can do those things, but you don't dictate the terms. You're in a reactionary position. And as a, as an elite athlete like Carter Hart, it's very difficult. That's a hard thing to deal with because you want control. But part of being a goalie is that you don't have that control. You have a react. You have to react to what happens around you. And when you're in a position like that, it, there's a rhythm that's involved in it. Now, he wasn't able to get on the ice for 10 days and did, wasn't able to see shots for 10 days. And had to get back out there and play on Thursday. And he played really good on Thursday against the Rangers. He's a huge reason why they earned a point in that game with a, a massively deplete, uh, depleted roster. And look, you don't get away with those things. You don't get away with not having six of those types of players in your lineup. And you don't get away with you know, a team that has already tagged you a couple times this season. And the, the Bruins make you pay. And they did. And they have his number right now for this season. But it, it doesn't mean that you need to change your goalie rotation or anything like that. The team has played two games since February 7th. They need to get into a rhythm. And a goaltender needs to play his way into peak performance. He can't sit on the bench and do it. He needs to play. He needs to see shots. He needs to see pucks. Which brings me to the next element, which is the, the thing about shots allowed versus shots for and goals, and all that. And I know people are still freaking out. I thought I've explained this well enough already, but people are still freaking out about it. I don't care how many shots you get in a game. I don't care how many shots you give up. What matters is the it's about quality, not quantity. Now, there's drastic elements to this. The Flyers right now in the NHL are the 31st-ranked team with 23.3 shots per game. 31st, they, they generate the least amount of shots in the, in the league right now through, what, 15 games. The team that generates the most is the Montreal Canadiens. They, they average 10 more shots basically per game, 33 shots per game. The odd part is, is that the Montreal Canadiens average 3.35 goals per game, but the Flyers average 3.40 goals per game. And you could say, and, and I was going back and forth with people on social media, well, if you don't shoot, you can't score. 
but they are scoring. Because when I look at the goals for games played, the Flyers right now in the NHL are sixth in scoring, despite the fact that they have the least amount of shots. They average 3.4 goals per game. That's higher than the Winnipeg Jets. That's higher than the aforementioned Montreal Canadiens. That's higher than the Washington Capitals with Alexander Ovechkin. It's higher than the Dallas Stars. It's higher than the St. Louis Blues. The only teams ahead of them are the Panthers by four one-hundredths of a goal, the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, Carolina Hurricanes, and Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs average 29 shots a game, Canes 32, Lightning 30, Oilers 30, Panthers 32, Flyers 23. There's other teams like the Dallas Stars who average 27 shots per game and are top 10. Now, the other side of that is, well, if you get more shots, you'll score more. Okay. It stands to reason, right? It's not true, but it stands to reason to some level. The New York Rangers are sixth in the NHL right now in shots per game. Fifth, sorry, 31.6 shots per game. But when it comes to goal scoring, again, they're fifth in the NHL in shots generated per game. But when it comes to goal scoring, they're 25th in the National Hockey League at 2.44. All those shots didn't translate to more goals. All those shots haven't translated to wins. They're 6-7-3. So the reason I say this is, look, you do want more shots. I'm, I'm being a little overdramatic. You do want more shots because it means you're in the offensive zone. And if you're in the offensive zone, what does that mean? You're not in the defensive zone. So I get that. And you, it means possession. It means sustained offensive pressure. And you can wear down an opponent. Absolutely. Shots against. Again, I know a lot's being made. Carter Hart's seen more than 30 shots in so many games. How's he going to survive this season? Well, the Flyers give up some of the, the least amount of high-danger chances per 60 minutes. So why am I worried about that? Because you want to throw a puck at my net and throw it in my goalie's glove? That's going to wear him down? you got to be kidding me. That's not going to wear him down. What wears him down is sustained offensive zone time, which has been an issue. And what wears him down is uh, high-danger chances and, and those opportunities. So I just wanted to clear that up as well. But if you were looking for this podcast today and you were looking for it to, to vent along with you, I, I'm not doing that today. I, the game and all things considered – it's over. It was a loss to a really good hockey team. And you were really depleted. And your schedule's been a nightmare since February 7th with postponements and lack of practices and lack of games. I'm not going to freak out over this one. I don't think you should either. I really don't think you should. The team needs to get back into a rhythm. That'll start Wednesday with the New York Rangers at the Wells Fargo Center. A couple of practices on Thursday and Friday. Then take on the Buffalo Sabres this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Now, the fact that the game was moved until Sunday night from Sunday afternoon, it kind of screws the Flyers a little bit because now they can't travel home last night after the game. They have to travel home today, and they lose an opportunity to get on the ice for practice when they haven't had much practice. But we'll see when they start to get players back from COVID protocol and guys start to become available. Uh, the game last night, don't freak out over it. It sucks they lost. I get it. They're 0-3-2 against the Bruins. And the Bruins are the best team in the division, maybe the best team in the league. But I'm not going to freak out over this one. I don't think you should either. All right, here's my postgame conversation with Steve Coates. And Coatsy and I talk about right off the hop here 
The most concerning element of this Flyers game is that they gave up another goal to the Bruins in the first minute of the game and the first minute of the second period, and that's something that needs no, to be cleaned up. I mean, that's a prepared, being prepared Mentally. issue. And, yeah. you know, this hockey club's had struggles for that for a long time, especially the first period. It was actually a blessing. I know they got scored upon uh, right off the bat with the two-on-one with Marshawn and Pasternak, but they came back. They ended up out shooting the Bruins. So I was encouraged by that because a lot of teams could just fold the 10 after they go, oh, here we go. We came all the way out to Lake Tahoe to be able to get – you know, spanked, but then all of a sudden, like I just mentioned, it, it just like all of a sudden the Bruins put, turn the switch on over on the boards. And the next thing you know, they dominated in that second period. The Flyers never went after their defense. And that was a something we had talked about because they were already missing three regulars yeah. heading into the game. So now you've got three guys that haven't played. Vakaninen was just uh, called up. Moore's playing in his third game. Uh, so you got all these new guys back there, and Lazone goes out in the first period, who's probably their more physical defenseman, and you still don't go after him. Yeah. And you had all these one and outs in the second period. So that, I think, when you look at breaking down the game, the Bruins did what we expected them to do, where you had to shut down the big line to be able to beat them. Didn't happen. Pasternak again with another three-goal game. Then on, on top of that, they were solid defensively. They were solid at both ends of the ice. And they controlled the behind the net again. And those are the things that the Bruins do so well. And the Flyers didn't come up with anything to, to answer that. And frankly, what the Bruins did is they dictated the terms in every zone of this game. Yeah. And, and look, uh, we're not oblivious to the fact uh, you don't like to make excuses in sports. But when you're without six NHL regulars mm-hmm. and you're playing a team like the Boston Bruins, it's very difficult to get away from, to, to get away with that. You got to play close. Yeah, you got to play close to the vest. Yep, and 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 take advantage. But at the same time, as much as the Flyers were missing six, and please, you you got to take that into consideration. You got to take into consideration that they went eleven days without playing. You got to take into consideration they only had two days of practice to come in to play the New York Rangers before getting on a plane to go to Lake Tahoe. Then you got to take into consideration that they didn't get the practice on that rink, but yep. so did the Boston Bruins. All the different things that this hockey club has gone through, those, they, those have an effect. You have to take that into consideration. But when you have a, a circumstance, as much as we're talking about the Flyers missing six, well, the Bruins are missing four defensemen plus Krejci. Yeah, Krejci is a huge They're loss 2C. for the Bruins. Yeah, huge. So. We can't take that away from that. Just the hockey game went out of control in the second period. Rask wasn't really tested. The Flyers didn't get the save that they would normally get from Carter Hart, and that's what happened. Um, for, for Carter Hart, he's been pulled twice against the Bruins now. Uh, gave up six goals in this game, four in that second period. Gave up six in that 6-1 loss. Uh, got the hook in that one as well. Uh, this team, and a team like the Bruins, can get into a goaltender's head and affect him going forward. But he's got to find a way to battle through it. He does. I mean, it's not as if he obviously he didn't get a heck of a lot of help because yep. of the shots on net in that second period. Um, when you look at the, the kind of goals that were scored, obviously his glove side was a, a big... It was targeted. It was a real problem tonight. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, the next, every time it seemed we turned around, that puck was got, going up and over that, that glove hand. And those are the kind that kind of creep up on you. And, and, and Carter Hart never really came up with a save. And if he doesn't come up with a save, that deflates the bench. Yeah. 
That deflates the bench. You can always look at the bench after a goal is let in that go, oh, geez, we're not getting the save. Yeah. And it's hard to fight back. It's one thing about playing maybe with the Ottawa Senators and you go, oh, I come back. But you're playing against the number one team in the National Hockey League right now, yeah. the Boston Bruins. A team that won the President's Trophy last year. And, Coach, you know, this. maybe the scouting report is high glove on him right now or glove side. And, you know, you score one in the game, glove. And then everybody's going, see, boys, let's keep going glove. Until he makes that adjustment. That's right. That's where they're going to target. So he's going to have to make that adjustment, shade to his glove side a little bit. And it, it seems like he's a little deep in his net as well. He did. You know what? He, he would look really deep with, with the goal. He wasn't in a position to make the save on Coyle. Yeah. That was uh, on that side. Uh, the one goal by Pasternak for the dot that you had mentioned about the fact that it hit the flat of the stick, and that's hard because he just it's actually whip. like whipping the yeah. puck, and it just went firing right over his shoulder. And then the one by Frederick where he just whipped around to the top of the circle. I, I really don't think Carter was prepared for that. I, yeah. I don't think anybody would because Frederick had spun around. Yeah. And bang, all of a sudden, that was running flat too. And so it might have uh, might have dropped it might have yeah they can risen. dip when they're flat like oh that. Yeah. yeah they can move around so it's like a knuckleball yeah so it's hard to be able to you want to defend it but when you're looking at it you go wow you gotta have that one well here's the good news because you know this as a guy who played professional hockey uh, you have to have accountability and he will have self-accountability when he's alone by himself he'll go i should have made that save the one that went through his arm earlier in the game from um uh who was it uh, the defenseman um why can i think of his name john moore Oh, no, no, uh, oh, no, um, Mac, uh, yeah, Charlie McAvoy. McAvoy. Yeah, that one. He go, if, the goalies think all the time, it can't. Nothing through me. If I'm there and it gets through me, I should have made the save. I should have closed that seven hole up on his blocker side. Were you surprised? I was a little surprised, and I don't remember what goal that I would have made the decision on. But I'm surprised that they let him in that long. Well, I, somebody mentioned that on on Twitter, and my response to that was it was probably less to do with him, and wanting to keep him in there, but it's more to do with Brian Elliott and letting him prepare to go into a game where he's sitting outdoors in Lake Tahoe freezing his took us off, and he's got to get warm and get loose because you don't want to put him in the game after he's been sitting on a freezing cold bench in Lake Tahoe. Plus, he's old. <laughs> you said that because you can say that because you're old. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> well, you're older. I'm, taking, I'm talking about that from experience. I'm trying to be a little lighthearted after a, a Well, you don't want to put a guy in the game that's yeah. cold no, and, and have a chance to injure him. Too. No, so, I totally agree. Yeah, so you want to get him a chance to get to get loose. And we saw Brian Elliott at the end of the period going through some box yeah. movements and trying to get loose because it's a tough situation to go into. Uh, when you're in a, in a, in a in an arena, you're warmer than you're going to be sitting outside there. So, uh, But nonetheless, the Flyers go down. They'll be back at it on Wednesday. They need to get this consistency in their schedule, don't they? Well, they've got to get it. This is know, two games since February 7th. So now you're going to play the Rangers on Wednesday. And, and uh, you've got back-to-back games next Saturday and Sunday. And you get your people back. You get a couple of practices in. You get back tomorrow. See, here's another situation where your game goes from 3 o'clock today to 7.30 at night. So now you can't come back. Now you're going to come back tomorrow morning. You could have actually practiced yesterday or tomorrow. Now you can't practice till Tuesday. So you have Tuesday and then another morning skate. And then you'll be able to practice Thursday and Friday and get ready for Saturday and Sunday. Those are the things we can start getting a rhythm back because you've lost all your rhythm. There's no two ways about it. You've yeah. lost it. Yeah, well said. Uh, the good news for you is they play two games in Buffalo this weekend, and you don't have to go to Buffalo. Very disappointing to me. <laughs> it's one of my favorite places of all time. To leave. You know, that's, Buffalo's the only, <laughs> the only city 
well, it was always the city they film the movies where there's only two people left in the world, and they didn't need to stage it. <laughs> well, I've often said, if you got two weeks left to live, go to Buffalo. It'll <laughs> yeah. feel like an eternity. <laughs> Cozy, thanks for doing this. Make sure you send all your cards and letters to Jason Martinez. Thanks to Steve Coates for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll be back tomorrow with another brand new episode. Everybody, try and enjoy your Monday. I know it's Monday. It sucks. Uh, we'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. Say